You're listening to the Bring Them Home Aliyah Podcast, hosted by Josh Wander. Shalom, this is Josh Wander from Yerushalayim, Yerak Kodesh. I'm back on the Bring Them Home Podcast. We had a little bit break there for the Chagim, but uh, Baruch Hashem, we're back and we're all doing well. Uh, having our batteries, our spiritual batter, batteries recharged. Uh, unfortunately, Rav Nachman Kana could not make it to the recording this week, but I will read over his Devar Torah as he has written. Parshat Bereshit Of all human frailties, the one most likely to cause us grief and suffering is our compulsion for great expectations. In 1860, Charles Dickens authored a book of that name, tracing the life of the orphan Pip and his attempts to become a gentleman. The greater a person's ability to envision and project, the greater his capacity to expect and to become overwhelmed with disappointment. It occurs in one's professional life when the dream job turns into a nightmare, or when the idealization of a future blissful life with this soulmate turns into sour mate. Can we find a similar phenomenon in the, in the spiritual world? Does a Shem react as would a disappointed person? Are there unfulfilled great expectations in our relationship with the Creator when we fail miserably in His eyes? There certainly are. At the end of Parshat Bereshit, the Torah relates Hashem's disappointment with the human race which He had created. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe out mankind, whom I have created from the face of the earth, from men to creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. In the book of Bamidbar, Parshat Masai, 42 camping sites recording, recorded the 40-year trek of our forefathers in the desert. The original plan was to bring the Jewish nation into Eretz Israel in only 11 days after the exodus from Egypt. However, our rebellious conduct caused disappointment in the heavens, and the rest is sad history. We in Eretz Israel expected that the establishment of the independent Jewish state would create a tidal wave of religious Jews eager to continue our religious nat- national life so abruptly cut off 2,000 years ago with the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Little did we realize how deep the Galut was embedded in the consciousness of the Jews. The knowledge that we were now the masters of our fate, no longer under the protection of the Tsar, the king, or the president, loomed too large for the shriveled feelings of inferiority that the Galut had inflicted upon our once proud self-esteem as God's chosen people. Most of those who did come were escapees from intolerable societies. Relatively few have come from the free countries of the world. Religious Jews in the Galut were were also disappointed. They expected that the Chalutzim, 
who were for the most part non-observant people who did not say Shema Yisrael when they were dying from cleaning out the malarial swamps or when fighting off the Arab murderers, would suddenly throw away their hoes and plows and become the new Chavetz Chaim or Chazon Ish when the Medina was declared. That didn't happen. So the stage was set for many religious leaders in the Galut to rant at the goyishness of the Jewish state, and hence the necessity to remain in the Galut and build all the trappings of Jewish life there. So the Jews replaced Beersheva with Dallas, Texas with Ashdod, with Denver, Colorado. Let me say that again. So the Jews replaced Beersheva with Dallas, Texas, and Ashdod with Denver, Colorado, to serve as the new Jerusalems until the Mashiach would, in some future time, send limos to bring them home. Chabad houses dot the Jewish-American scene as well as kolels, day schools, shatnas laboratories, ritual baths, and shaitel shops. You name it, it's all there for your religious convenience. All this, plus the added incentive that their sons will be able to sleep every night between clean sheets without the annoyance of having to serve in the army. Parshat Masai records the places where the Jews encamped. Just to quote a few, they left Elim and camped by the Red Sea. They left the Red Sea and encamped by the desert of Sin. They left the desert of Sin and camped by Dovka. They left Dovka and camped by Alush. They left Alush and camped by Rafidim, where they where there was no water for the people to drink. They left Rafidim and camped in the desert of Sinai. They left the desert of Sinai and camped at Kirboth Hatavah. They left Kirboth Hatavah and camped at Hazarot. They left Hazarot and camped at Rithma. It reminds me of the present-day tourists. They left Ben Gurion Airport and camped in Jerusalem. They left Jerusalem and camped in Beit Shemesh, where a cousin lived. They left Beit Shemesh and camped near the Dead Sea. They left the Dead Sea and encamped in the Golan, and so on and so forth, but not actually reaching the number 42 of our biblical ancestors. Then comes the emotional moment of parting, usually occurring at the Kotel. My brother, Harav Mer Kahana, Hashemi Komdomo, once described those emotional, moving scenes in a great essay entitled Goodbye Wall in Tishrei 5738, September 1977, as follows. They come in all sizes and shapes, complexions and complexes, infusion and confusion, from east and west and north and south. They are Jews. They are tourists. They come to see it. The wall. They come with beards and kaftans, direct from Williamsburg. They come with rabbinical council mustaches, from Flatbush and Kew Garden Hills, they come with black yarmulkes to signify a gouda and knitted ones to shout their support and empathy. They come with no yarmulkes and are given them by their local American Jewish Congress tour guide. They come with no yarmulkes and wear the cardboard type that the keepers of the wall dispense. They come with whatever they come with to see it, the wall. They come with familiarity, some having been to Israel seven, eight, ten times, having reached the rank of resident tourists. 
Usually, these are Orthodox Jews who come up to the wall with confident strides as if to shake the hand of a familiar acquaintance. Others are not sure just what they have to do, how they are required to act, and they stand uncomfortably and nervously, glancing about to see what the others are doing. Still others stand, just stand, before the wall, thinking, meditating, praying, talking, whispering, weeping, and then they leave. They have been to the land, been to Zion, been to Jerusalem, the holy city, and been to see it, and then they leave. They leave behind their money, their tour guides, their little notes they wrapped into a small ball or wad and left in the crevices of the wall. They leave the land and Zion and Jerusalem, the holy city, and the wall. They go back to Great Neck and Boston and Los Angeles and Miami and, of course, Washington Heights and Muncie and Williamsburg and Borough Park. They leave old Jerusalem for newer ones and the wall for Wall Street because they must. To see Jerusalem, to see Israel, is to enjoy an experience beyond comparison. To see Jerusalem, the holy city, is to gather a treasury of memories beyond price. To see the wall is to experience a thrill that is indescribable. But everything has its time and its place, and all good tours must come to an end. Israel is the finest of places to visit, but it is not for them to live there, and so they leave. The beards and the beardless, the orthodox, ultra and modern, conservative, reform, reconstructionist, humanist, agnostic, atheist, they leave for home. And I often wonder, when they come, they ran to say hello to the wall. When they leave, how does one say goodbye to the wall? What does one say to it? Does one stand there and daven mincha, pray the afternoon service and says, and may our eyes behold thy return to Zion? And then say to it, well, I suppose I have to go now. The business can't shut down for more than three weeks. Take care of yourself and let's hope that I return soon. If one knows that the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, never left the wall, how does one say goodbye to him? But I also wonder what the wall says and thinks as it watches the Jews who come to visit as casually as if they were taking a trip, as, as so many do lately, to Puerto Rico and Spain and Aruba and Rome. I wonder what it thinks as it looks at the hordes of tourists who come to touch it, fondle it, kiss it, stare at it, memorialize it in their film, Still in Motion, and then go back to the lands that they consider their real homes. I wonder what it, th- what it thinks as it watches the Jews pray and sway and bay at it. I wonder what it thinks as it watches the ritual worship that has been built about it. I wonder what it thinks as it watches the Orthodox from New Frankfurt on the heights and the majesty of Crown Heights and sees all the religious Jews on their three-week vacation before returning to idolatry. Surely this last remnant of the temple in which preached the prophets who who invade against hypocrisy 
remembers the words and repeats them to their descendants. Surely repeats the words, When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at, at your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. It is, not, it is an offering of abomination unto me. New moon and Sabbath, the holding of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity along with the solemn assembly. From Isaiah one twelve. The wall looks at those who come to honor it and at that very moment plan to betray the land and abominate it by leaving for an exile they call home and repeats, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than to the fat of rams. From Samuel one fifteen twenty two, They leave the wall for home. They refuse to dwell in the land of the wall. It knows that 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 which they plan, peace and security in the Galut, will never be. It knows that if they reject the wall of the Almighty, that there will be other walls for them, walls of fire and walls of prisons and camps. The Galut is one huge wall for the Jew, though he refuses to see it. If one comes to the wall late, very late at night, and listens carefully, very carefully, he can hear the wall. It weeps softly to itself and says, Woe unto my people for their humiliation of the land. And it seems to me that the wall would prefer that those who say goodbye to it would not bid it hello. I have often stated that there is an uneven distribution of historic responsibility in our generation when so much of the future history of Am Yisrael is being carried on the shoulders of the few in Eretz Yisrael. But the truth is that it was always that way. The cry of Moshe Rabbeinu when he saw the Jews reveling before the golden calf, Mila Hashem Eli, whoever is for God, let him come forth to me, reverberates through the generations. It was always the dedication few, sorry, the dedicated few, who ensured the survival of our people by their willingness for self-sacrifice. The others can draw strength from the great English poet John Milton, who wrote in his poem on his blindness, When I consider how my light is spent ere half my days in the dark world and wide, they also serve who only stand and wait. At this time there are no tourists saying hello to the Kotel, nor are there any who bid it goodbye. In fact, there are almost no tourists at all in the country. Is Hashem telling us through the pandemic that He does not want Jewish tourists to enter His home? Is Hashem reminding us that the covenant He made with our forefathers is an all-or-nothing deal? The term Jewish tourist in Eretz Yisrael is a classic oxymoron. As we draw closer to the final days of Galut, the winnowing out of those who are tourists to Judaism will enter into high gear. Moshe Rabbeinu called out at the episode of the golden calf, Mi Lashem Eli, whoever is with Hashem, come to me. The call is now reaching a high pitch. Happy are the man and woman who hear it and respond to it. Shabbat Shalom. Be healthy. Be careful. Be here. Remember, JLMM, Jewish lives mean more. Nachman Kahana.
Thank you for listening to the Bring Them Home Aliyah podcast. If you identify with our message, please subscribe and tell your friends about us too. You can leave us a review on iTunes as that really helps us grow. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. For sponsorship opportunities and for all other inquiries, please email us at bringthemhomeisrael at gmail.com. Check out our website at www.israeltorah.org for more content on this vital topic. This is the place to be.